0: Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro. Great to be with you. Uh, Let's launch into our podcast today, which is 10 Shortcuts Leaders Need to Avoid, Part 2. And uh, last week, I did the first five, and this week, I'll do number six through 10. And uh, as I said uh, last week, let me encourage you to uh, kind of as a foundation for this as well is if you look on the Emotionally Healthy Leader book, uh, which many of you have read, that is actually the... Uh, kind of the fruit of our you know three decades of leadership. Uh, but we talk about in the very first chapter how uh, common, common uh, shortcuts people make as leaders, uh, we call it emotionally unhealthy spirituality, is things such as low self-awareness, uh, not leading out of our marriage or singleness, not putting investment of time into that, uh, not having too much activity that our inner life can't sustain it, and then finally not having a Sabbath uh, work rhythm. Uh, each week. So look at that when you get a chance. But I I picked these 10 out of a much larger list that I was d- developing, uh, That ones that tripped me up over the years uh, that have been uh, very much on the forefront of my mind. So I talked about in the last podcast, uh, first shortcut is people not leading themselves first. Second is rushing. Uh, the third is uh, – cheating on your time with Jesus. The fourth, not giving thoughtful preparation to meetings that we lead. And the fifth, uh, was spending too much time preparing a sermon for other people, but not enough time applying it to myself. So let's move in here now to uh, number six through 10 of shortcuts that we need to avoid. Uh, Number number six is this, not seeking wise counsel soon enough. Uh, Most of us seek counsel, when things are really bad, but unless things are going poorly, few of us invest the time, energy, and money for this longer journey. So, you know, who wants to hear about problems when everything seems to be okay? Now, this this issue of not seeking wise counsel soon enough. I mean, I've done this over the years, uh, especially uh, my goodness, uh, in the early years. Uh, I'd say the first twenty years, and had a lot of, we like to call it dirty pain or stupid pain. There's clean pain and dirty pain. Clean pain is, hey, this is is just the pain and suffering of uh, serving Christ in the world. Uh, Dirty pain is basically ignorance. uh, Unnecessary, but a result of not investing the right time to get counsel uh, and thinking things through. So I'm, I'm amazed at how massive a problem this is among the leaders I work with, of churches sometimes of all sizes, small and mega, Uh, as well. They'll seek uh, perhaps counsel in certain areas, but not in others. And it's just a puzzle to me that a leader of thousands of people could not get counsel perhaps in a marriage issue that uh, he's struggling with and just reading books, but not actually seeing someone who's an expert at that or has a great deal of experience in it that could just help them, help them cut through uh, so easily. And I I can apply that whether it's, you know, know, buildings, uh, whether it's a leadership particular area, whether it's, you know, youth, whether it's a strategy of multi-site, but just not getting wise counsel soon enough and just going down wrong roads and just those blind spots of selective counsel. And uh, so that's number six. Number seven is ignoring elephants in the room. Now, th- this, you know, this shortcut is uh, is so common that I-, I don't even think we 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 acknowledge it. Again, little elephants become big ones. And what happens when there's an elephant in the room, basically everyone's pretending it's not there. And maybe a difficult conversation is not being had, a hard question is not being asked. But you can't build the kingdom of God on illusions or pretense. Listen, I've had... You know, uh, uh, ignoring elephants in the room everywhere from elder boards uh, with their pastor to someone being very defensive on a staff team, but no one's saying anything about it, uh, or someone in a small group that is dominating uh, and maybe coming out of pathology. I've had that example, had that in my life too, but no one's saying anything, just kind of hoping it goes away, trying to manage it, uh, but not having a direct conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually letting someone go who's not the right fit for a position, uh, paid or volunteer, uh, and yet, it's affecting everyone, and it's kind of an elephant in the room. And uh, many people know it's there, but nobody wants to say anything. And it's just so pervasive. And I, I think the reasons are 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 many. And I'll give you a couple that I know are are in my own my own life. Uh, one is a family of origin. Uh, I know for myself that I wanted people's validation so badly that I didn't want to bring up difficult topics because then people might not like me. And yet, if I'm preaching or casting vision, I get a lot of affirmation and validation. And so, it took me some serious work uh, on my on my genogram, actually. Going again, going back a few generations of why is it or why was it that I was so reluctant to have difficult conversations and actually let these elephants go on? And I ended up lying a lot, and it went back to to family. It went, It was deep. It, it was a it was a serious round of therapy I did, uh, but actually set me free eventually. And I, and I think for a lot of us, and I'm one of these two, I, I don't like pain. Uh, and because when you confront an elephant, things generally get worse before they get better. Uh, it takes a lot of time. I'm a busy guy. You know, I just say, I, I don't want to get involved in more mess. Um, thought shir- Thinking short-term versus long-term. The illusion that, uh, okay, at least things are managing okay. It may hurt us for the long run. But right now, you know, things are working somewhat. Uh, but I think also for me, one of the issues of not confronting elephants in the room was I didn't have the skills. I, I didn't see it modeled well. And um, I had some folks model it for me, you know, role plays. That was so, so helpful. But the question I have for you is how do you deal with the elephants in the room around you? Do you ignore them? Uh, and do you see them as an interruption or, or a gift? Leadership is one that – you know. good leadership seizes those opportunities as discipleship opportunities – uh, to actually grow and mature people, but our role as leaders is to guard the integrity of a of a ministry, of a organization, of, of a church. And if you know anything about you know the bot the systems theory, which the body of Christ is built on, when when something happens in a small place in the church, but it's not dealt with, it, integrity is breached. And it's kind of like the sin of Achan. It just kind of seeps into the body, and it just does it damage. And uh, again, you can't build the kingdom of God without truth. And the degree to which we're living in truth is the degree to which we're free. And, uh, you know, if, if you're like me, when I began to confront elephants, I felt like I was going to die because it was so contra, contra contrary to my family of origin. Uh, but because what's happening is as you begin to do that and function maturely as an adult, as a leader, as an emotionally mature, spiritual mature Uh, leader, you're rewiring your brain. And actually, those elephants in the room are gifts from God to you. Uh, Nothing brings out our unresolved immaturities uh, like leadership. And let me just encourage you, they are for your formation, uh, and they're a gift. So uh, that shortcut of ignoring elephants in the room, uh, don't take it uh, because it will come back to you. Just like you want to get wise counsel uh, soon enough, uh, seek it out, especially in those kinds of situations. They are gifts for you. Okay, number eight is a shortcut that people take, and I know I took a, a, for a lot, uh, was trusting in a quick fix. You know, how often did I say to myself, oh my goodness, if we could only make this one key hire or just solve this one problem. Everything will be amazing. Uh, and uh, that's just not true. Or I mean, imagine I get one donor when we buy this building could really make this thing happen or or one uh, one conference to attend that's going to really give me the, the key to make it all happen or one answer or one one program. I mean even publishers, uh, when I got involved with publishing about you know 13, 14 years ago, uh, they all wanted a quick fix, uh, you know, a four week curriculum or a 98 page book, something short that people would take, but that would quickly, Uh, bring results. In their case, it would be sell books. In my case, it would be bringing transformation. And uh, there is no quick fix. Do you know why there's not a quick fix? Because the kingdom of God has always been a mustard seed, small, little, imperceptible, almost invisible. Who would have ever imagined the 12 disciples were going to be the ones to lead the church uh, to where we have a billion plus Christians in the world today? I mean, talk about a slow, small mustard seed. Jesus and his discipling was slow. Full time with those guys for twelve years, uh, and it was slow. So there is no quick fix. Everybody, uh, it, it's the kingdom of God. And so again, it's like it's like discipleship. For example, is life on life. I, you know, our our whole thrust of what we're about is bringing a discipleship that deeply changes lives to churches for the sake of the world. The problem is everybody wants to make even emotionally healthy spirituality uh, the courses. A program and quick, uh, it takes years to build disciples that are going to actually go to the next generation and creatively bring Christ. Uh, again, we're looking at disciples who make disciples. Paul referred to it as labor till Christ be formed in people. You know Galatians four nineteen, and so the quick fix for people uh, doesn't exist. Uh, it's small, little, slow, almost invisible. So number nine. Uh, quick fix that very often to to avoid is underestimating how long things take. Now, again, the shortcut is an illusion, of course, but things taking uh longer than we think, that is a uh a truism that you can take to the bank, whether it's in something as simple as playing piano, uh learning to sing, exercise, uh but Again, let's just think now in terms of leadership, uh, developing leaders, Uh, writing a book that's as good at the end in the last chapter as it is in the first chapter. I mean, I've always underestimated how long things take. Again, one of the great theologies that I know God brought into my life uh, in the late 1990s was a theology of limits. And I I don't like limits. But the Bible lays out a theology of limits that goes right there in the Garden of Eden when God says to Adam and Eve, do not touch the the tree right there in the middle of the garden uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you can eat from from any tree you want in the garden, but not this one. And God put a limit to trust him in that. The same thing went with Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, He was to trust the, the father's limit to not do those miracles in, in the desert when he was tempted by Satan, but to trust the father. Uh, things take, always take longer than we think. So again, whether it's building a great marriage, a strategy uh, for your organization to be built, uh, building a church, uh, building a ministry, uh, assume it's going to take much two, three, four, five times longer than you uh, think but embrace the gift of limits. And I mean, even just this past weekend, uh, I was going to go hear a speaker uh, in New Jersey that I've read his books and admire. Uh, it was one of my daughter's birthday the night before, and I was gonna have to drive almost two hours. And I really wanted to be present for my daughter. And our other daughters were here as well, and uh, grandchild. And uh, I realized that I couldn't do it all. If I'm going to build a quality relationship with my adult children, it's going to require time. And uh, again, underestimating even something as building a quality family and creating memories uh, for the long term, uh, there's no shortcut to that either. Uh, it takes time. And so whatever you're, whatever you're doing, break it up into pieces. Here's a great principle. Uh, I learned the hard way was okay, you've got this goal, this thing you want to accomplish. And again, it may be writing a book. It may be building a ministry. It may be, uh, you know, exp- expanding to multi-site or taking some new initiative. Uh, get out your calendar. First of all, write the steps of what's, what it's going to take to actually get there. It's always very humbling. And then get out your calendar and start putting in the steps into your calendar. It will really slow things down uh, for you and be a great gift. And then finally, uh, the uh, a shortcut... That you do not want to, that you do not want to uh, avoid, uh, or a shortcut that you want to make sure that you don't avoid is not paying attention to God's will in and through setbacks and losses. I'll say it again: not paying attention to God's will in and through setbacks and losses. Uh, Listen, leaders, as leaders, we suffer, I believe, a greater amount of setbacks and losses by the nature of our position. It's one of God's actual gifts to us to get to pay pay attention to him. The temptation is to medicate ourselves and medicate busyness and social media or distractions. But we limit the work of God in us when we take that shortcut. Remember Hebrews 5.8, one of the most important verses about the life of Jesus. It says, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Uh, So when you have setbacks and losses, uh, you want to listen. You want to see the big picture because God's got a big picture. We can't even see that big a picture. But you see, God's doing a work in you that is actually more important than the work through you. And uh, all of my books that I've written have come out of uh, setbacks and losses and failures actually. And that's why I love John of the Cross's Uh, work on The Dark Night of the Soul and his other writings. I'd recommend to you classics of Western spirituality. as a great place to start on John of the Cross because, again, he's a brilliant writer about how God uses setbacks and losses to actually prune us, to purge us, to pull out of our flesh things that God wants to change that can be changed no other way but that God leads us through dark nights. And things like greed and envy and Uh, impatience and judgmentalism and laziness and lack of initiative and things that we can't will ourselves to change. It requires the the power of God. And uh, he's got to first empty us, and he does that through dark nights of the soul, which are much more intense than simple uh, trials, so that he can form us and speak to us and ready us to actually listen to directions he wants to go. Um, when I, when I think of my life, uh, I don't know what God has ahead for me, but I do know that my greatest learnings have come out of failures and struggles, uh, not successes. And that has been said by many a person over the centuries about leadership. But God wants to make you a reservoir that flows over, filled with him, and that means he got to first empty you out. So, there are many other uh, shortcuts to avoid, but those 10 are a great place to start. So I pray God's blessing on you as we close this, and may God give you insight on whatever you're doing right here today, that you may listen to him and be formed uh, into the image of his son, Jesus. And uh, out of the fullness of your cup overflowing with Christ, your life might be a blessing to others today. God bless you. Great to be with you. Talk to you soon.